Hi, and welcome to Beyond Barriers. Today on Beyond Barriers, we have Fegan Murray. Um, she is from the UK, for all of you here in the US. She actually had a son that was in the Manchester bombing in 2017, and now works as an advocate um, t for more security in public spaces and stuff like that. And actually what I will uh, let Vegan, take it from there and let her tell us a little bit about herself and why she does what she does now. Hi, Vegan. Mm -hmm. Hi. So um, I um, was working for about 23 years as a psychotherapist and life coach in my private practice. And life was good. My children were all sort of growing up and becoming more independent. I was looking forward to sort of going part time with my job and enjoying life a bit more. And unfortunately, on the 22nd of May 2017, one of my children, my 29-year-old son, Martin, went to a concert at the uh, arena, Manchester Arena, in, in, uh, to watch Ariana Grande. And unfortunately, a suicide bomber exploded a massive bomb and killed Martin alongside 21 other people. A lot of them children, actually, because it, it was attended by young females in particular. And there were a few men, parents and, and people like Martin amongst the dead. Wow. Wow. So that day, sadly, my day job went because I just feel unable now to work as a psychotherapist. Um, simply because in, in my job as a therapist, I needed to always be available emotionally for my clients. And in all honesty, I can't do that now because I think I would not be honest with my clients if part of me would always think, stop complaining, you are still alive. And I wouldn't say that would be fully there, but somewhere in the deepest corners of my brain, that would be there. And and the only ethical choice I had really was to quit my job. Um, however, I until then, I was so naive about terrorism. I had nothing to do with it. Every time I saw a shooting in America, every time I saw uh, a terrorist attack somewhere elsewhere in America or anywhere else in the world, I'd look at the news and think, oh, look at those poor people. Oh, my goodness, they must be so upset. Anyway, what do you want for tea? And shall we switch over and watch a show? And I didn't want to engage with it because to me, that sort of thing only happened to other people. It happened on the news. It happened in movies. It didn't happen to real people. And the next thing I know, we became the news. And that mm. came totally out of the blue. And I realized I know nothing about the topic of people doing that kind of bad stuff. I didn't know um, because I never engaged in it. And um, suddenly I became very interested in why people do what they do. And uh, I thought, why would somebody do something so drastic uh, what what's their thinking process? What what makes somebody even want to do that and kill themselves in the process? And I needed to understand. Uh, in my profession as a therapist, I always used to tell my clients, with any given situation, stand right back, really take a distant position and look from from outside in to your situation, and that way you will see what's in the periphery. And, and that's what I did in that situation. And 
that made me really curious about studying the subject. Um, and at the grand old age of 59, I started university. Wow. And That's pretty I'm amazing. In my final, well, in my, I'm in my final year. I'm hopefully, I'm, I'm finishing this September, this coming September. So there you go. Congratulations, by the way. Good luck thank with you. it. Thank now, you for, go ahead. for joining us and, and sharing that as well, Fegan. I mean, it's an, okay. an incredible uh, travesty that things like that still happen in this day and age. And, that, um, and, and I think a lot of times, <clears throat> you know, people don't think about the reverberations of actions like this you know they think mm -hmm. you know when they're going into something like this they're gonna they're gonna do this act and they're gonna do it for their cause and they don't realize that here we're you know nearly you know two and a half three years out from when this mm -hmm. happened and how it's still affecting and it'll always affect your family yeah. and, and, and yeah. yourself i'm sure and and how mm -hmm. that uh you know it, it changed your entire entire life and it not and it took your son's life and all and all these other innocent people that were just there enjoying mm -hmm. a concert i mean it, it it shows how quickly life can can go from everything being fine into to complete and utter devastation um yeah. I, I think it's uh your resilience and your strength even to come on the program and talk about this and and the the efforts that you're you're doing now in counterterrorism um it's it's incredible and and um could you tell us a little bit um i know a little bit about your story and and uh we're really honored to have you on the program but um there's something in in the uk now called martin's law that uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so obviously when martin died i was uh, spending a lot of time at home grieving and uh, not doing much in the first year at all and then in the second year, I started venturing out and about a bit. And my husband got some concert tickets for a singer he likes. And it was only in a small theater in Manchester, not a massive big one, you know, like an arena. And we went and I took my tiniest handbag with me to make the bag search at the door easier for the security staff. Because I made the assumption foolishly that since the Manchester Arena attack, security at venues like theatres and everywhere where there are crowds of people will now be um, very tight because lessons will have been learned. And we got there and our tickets weren't even checked. We could have just walked in without paying or buying tickets. Wow. We just walked straight in and straight up to our seats and... I remember during the concert, I was crying and my husband said, are you crying because the, sad, the song is so sad and it's making you upset? And I said, no, I'm crying because there was nobody checking our tickets and I can't believe things have not improved since the attack. I'm really upset about that. Anyway, we went home and it was Christmas time and after Christmas and New Year, I was still heavily chewing on this. I was really not happy and I decided to set up a an online government petition for more security at large venues and it's then um, a couple of other people joined in who are quite influential one of them is uh, his wife was a politician she got uh, killed by a right-wing extremist um, two years prior to Martin dying and um, um, and he then introduced me to a very high ranking police officer um, who was working in, in sort of protecting 
people. And um, so the three of us came together and um, Nick Oldworth, the guy who is the policeman who's since retired and is more devoted to Martin's Law now because he's not working full time anymore. Um, he now um, has written the document Martin's Law uh, and with that document, we actually went to government and had meetings with security minister. And I am now still in talks with the government about it. They initially, nobody was interested, but once the document was in place and we arranged meetings at the home office, um, they took me serious. And I actually, in a telephone, Zoom, uh, the, the, the last meeting I had with the security minister was via Zoom because of COVID-19. And there were a few of his colleagues there as well. And I said to the minister, look, um, I'm only five foot small. I'm not very tall. But I said, but I'm going to be buzzing around you like an irritating fly. I am not going to go away with this. This is important to me. And I think he understood. And anyway, so it's in negotiation with the government at the moment. Um, and there's more meetings going to happen. That is awesome. That's really, really good. So it will become a law. It, it will not be called Martin's Law. It will come under the government's, um, what they have, they have a document called Contest and it comes under that document, but it will hopefully become a law in its own right. Yeah, we I hope so too. I mean, that that just goes to prove too right there. One, one dedicated person, like mm. the young lady we have on the program tonight, one person can change laws, can can get laws going and, and uh, get the attention of the government on these important things. And, and we think it's incredibly important. And you're right, you know, I've, I've noticed it here in the United States too. Sometimes when you go to different events, sometimes the security is good and they have it. And yeah. other times you can just kind of waltz on in and, and yeah. we've had, you know, uh, increased terrorist attacks here and we've seen it in other parts of the world and I, I think uh you know there's the argue you know there's the argument where people will say well you know we don't want to be checked and things like that I think sometimes security uh and and looking at these things for the safety the greater good of the citizenship I, I think it's it, a minor inconvenience mm -hmm. is uh is fine because the greater good absolutely yeah. you know we don't want things it, like this it's interesting happen. Yeah, it, you know, when I first uh, started talking about it, I'm really active on Twitter, so I got to put it on Twitter. And I got really criticised on Twitter. People are saying, you're turning it into a police state. We don't want all this control. Other people said, well, if you put loads of bug searches and metal detectors there, queues will form outside. There were all sorts of arguments. And then the, the media didn't help because there were headlines suddenly in the papers, arena victim's mother wants airport style security everywhere. That's not at all what Martin's Law is about. It's, it's literally five components. Component one is that all I'm asking for is that anybody where there are crowds gathering, any staff ought to do the free of charge 45 minute um, counterterrorism training so that they know what to do in a terrorist attack where to put their customers, where to put themselves, etc. It's very common sense. It's available for the general public here. So all I'm asking is that employers say, do that 45 minute training and evidence you've done it. Point number two is that um, uh, any organization goes around the building and looks at uh, vulnerabilities in terms mm -hmm. of a possible terrorist attack. Point number three is if you identify any 
deal with them, sort them out. If you need a new back door, put a new back door in. If you need to have a better lock at the front, put a, a better lock in. If you need more for bigger venues, if you need more security arrangements, then sort them out. Um, number four is um, have a terrorist terrorism action plan in place, just like a health and safety or fire risk plan that people have to display by law. Mm -hmm. And the last one would be for bigger venues so that um, local authorities work with the venue. So if, for instance, a concert finishes, the councils here, the local authorities can change the setting of the traffic lights to make the traffic flow quicker so that people disperse quicker. It's a simple thing like that, you know, and that's all I'm asking for. It's not difficult. It's not costly. It's very proportionate. And that's all I'm after. Wow. That sounds absolutely sensible to me. And, and, mm -hmm. and just like you said, it's not going to be something that's going <clears> to, <throat> you know, raise cost. It's not that no. much of an inconvenience. And, uh, no. you know, just from personal experience, going to a, a, a concert, I, there's a concert venue in downtown Detroit, and they had uh, four, five, six metal detectors as you come in. Mm -hmm. It was not yeah. jamming up, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a full body search or, or something, but no. just, you know, a, a general... Yeah. you know through the through the gates and it's, it's not that big of an inconvenience to save lives it really isn't yeah. and so what you're doing is incredible yeah. and i was criticized for it being costly so i went and bought handheld metal detectors and they cost me 22 pound each so they're not expensive right so if people tell me they can't afford security i'll give them that as a gift <laughs> exactly you know? i think a lot of times you know and i I understand in a certain aspect, like people are like, especially with like the mainstream media, a lot of times, you know, because it grabs people's attention and it mm -hmm. might be their opinion and because they don't get to understand what is really going on, they just think, mm -hmm. oh, heightened security. Well, then you just want to check everything. You want to limit my rights and everything else. But a lot of what you're describing, you know, the security stuff, at least here in the U.S., if you're at a big venue, many, many times, the local or maybe the county sheriff's department, depending on where it's at, there's a bigger uh, concert venue a little bit, you know, north of Detroit, but it's one of the bigger ones around the Detroit area that, you know, they have huge concerts, but at the end of the night, you know, they are in uh, cooperation I think with the local sheriff's department to make sure everybody is able to get out safely and yeah. that the lights you know if even if the lights aren't changed they have yes. them out there directing the traffic mm -hmm. and then like you said you know all you ask is that the people working these things take a free training yeah. it's not going to cost anybody anything extra yeah. Yeah. and honestly with sadly enough with the way this world is going right now it's not out of the question to be yep. ready or prepared. You know, mm -hmm. you prepare for the worst case scenario and you hope for the best. Okay. But if you're not prepared at all, like you said, I mean, what are you gonna do? Like, I think what you're doing is amazing. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. also, it's coming from a place of you were personally affected, but it's not just for you, it's for everybody because you don't wanna see anybody else having to go through any other no. family having to go through what you've had to go through. No, because, it, you know, the situation we are in, 
I mean, somebody said to me today, hopefully when the court case is finished, you'll have closure. You never get closure on this. You know, I will never get closure. This is now my my life, you know. Um, uh, when you lose somebody in, during those, in those circumstances, that never leaves you. Yeah. You know. So, but I think it's really important to to not wait and hang around with security because, uh, especially during COVID, um, I mean, I keep an eye on the international terrorism scene pretty mm-hmm. much now because um, I'm obviously fully engaged in it, it's a whole process. Um, and I know that in many different countries, um, in Europe and overseas, um, the online radicalization has massively, massively increased. Oh, yeah. Both with Islamist extremism and right-wing extremism or any extremism really, it's gone really up. And we don't actually, because we've never been in a pandemic, we actually do not know the impact of that once we come out the other end. So we may have a whole sea of new terrorists coming out. You know, we do not know. Oh yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of civil unrest and, and things mm, like that yeah. too, here and I think in other parts of the world as well. And I, I think some of that, you know, probably it's a psychological factor. It's more uh, your line of expertise, vegan. But I think uh, a lot of uh, there's been some studies that are starting to be done about how people, you know, are being kind of kept in or, or locked in a bit and it's mm-hmm. causing them distress. It's causing uh, people to suffer from depression because they're not as, mm-hmm. as engaged in things like that. So um, the long-term effects of something like this on different individuals, I think is, is potentially opening the door for a lot of uh, uh, really negative things that, as you mm-hmm. just said, you know, like that we as a society, as a, as a, a world community or whatever we just don't have yeah. this on un- you know fully understanding of it yet and um you know you were talking about <clears throat> you know like the 45 minute class and things like that in the united states when we had uh, there was a big deal and a debate over uh some years ago over getting on airplanes you know where they started right. s- stepping up security at the airports and mm-hmm. uh it was to stop terrorists from getting on planes and things like that uh, because this was an ongoing uh, issue issue here and there was a lot of people that were really opposed to it because it was slowing down lines and things and and you you put that into perspective and it's like your family's entire life has been altered forever Mm -hmm. because of of something like this that you know that may have been able to be avoided if these stipulations and these regulations were in place how is a minor inconvenience of having to stand in a line worth someone's life. You know, if you, if you look at it from that perspective, you know, like I, I don't understand how these people can argue. They're not putting it into perspective. They're not putting it into a human perspective. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier about how, when you saw these things, like it was just on television, it was, it was a bit of a disconnect because it didn't happen to you. And I think a lot of times, there has to be some kind of hurdle where we can get to the public and get them to understand that even though it's not happening to you as an individual, mm-hmm. this is something that affects all of us as human beings. You know, that it's, yeah. it's a, it, and it's a minor inconvenience, I think is, is worth it to, to save lives. Absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, I know people tell me a terrorist attacks are very rare, but then, 
that family of people who have been directly affected is growing you know oh yeah as I said to you earlier i went and visited people at christchurch new zealand there are so many young women and older women who have have lost their husbands in the in the mosque you know they all in one in 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 one frenzy of shooting you know it's a it's it's so many families have been badly affected in in that in those moments and uh, uh, our 22 who died i mean a lot of them died within well as soon as the explosion happened a lot of people just died instantly martin i was told died in a in a third of a second i mean wow. you can't even bear thinking of how fast that is and in that split second our life as a family has changed for good yeah know? that's it, it's it's like i can't even imagine having to go through something like that but i will say like one thing that like sitting here talking with you and like i've i've seen stuff on twitter and other things but like it amazes me how in a split second you had your entire life changed you had your son taken away but instead of being bitter and i'm sure you've dealt with that before like it, it's part of you know the process and like you said you know you will never fully have closure you will never have your son back but you have chosen to do something positive and do something good to help other people versus allowing that tragedy to make you bitter and to close you off like maybe and maybe can explain it maybe you can't and I don't know if anybody will ever fully be able to understand because like I said we're not in your shoes but for you how what made you decide instead of allowing it to completely crush you and debilitate you for the rest of your life to be able to go and talk with you know people and you know positions of power to make change and everything like that like how does one go from losing everything to being able to think about other people like that's amazing to me i can i can fairly easily explain that because so what happened the explosion happened um in on the 22nd of may obviously as you can imagine the house filled with relatives people police coroners um counterterrorism uh, undertakers the whole house was like crazy lots of people in and out and eventually, after about nearly two weeks, it calmed down. My relatives went back home. Um, there was less media attention. There was less police activity. And one morning, I just found myself on my own at home. Everybody had gone back to school, college and uh, work. And um, I bought a newspaper from the shop across the road. And on the front page was a picture and I didn't understand it because obviously I'd not been watching the television because there was so much going on. Right. And when I read it, it was an attack at a mosque in London called Finsbury Mosque. This is less than less than three weeks after the Manchester Arena attack. So this this uh, British guy hired a man and was going to kill many Muslims. And he went to this. He drove to this mosque on a Friday afternoon and wanted to kill people after Friday prayers. He killed one person, injured several. But as he, uh, he then I think rammed the car somewhere and couldn't go any further and he jumped out of the car 
and wanted to run away. And of course, the people from the mosque were chasing him and wanted revenge, oh, I suppose. Yeah. They were angry. And he fell. And um, the photo that was on the front page of this newspaper was phenomenal. And it, it affected me so much because there was this chain of five men, one of them the imam, and the other four were people who had been at the mosque praying. And they, in, in all that chaos and confusion and terror, because nobody knew if there's somebody else going to attack them, these five men in that split second, in that moment, decided to link arms and protect the man who'd fallen, the terrorist who'd fallen on the floor. And I looked at that photo and I thought, blimey, these people are just amazing. They, in all that chaos, they decided what's humanely the right thing to do. And I thought about it all day. And by the time my husband came home that evening, I said to him, I'm going to ring the BBC tomorrow. I want to go on national TV and forgive the terrorists who killed Martin. Wow. And, and he said, why would you want to do that? And I explained the photo and, and I said, look, it's taught me that that story in London has made me realize that actually I have a choice of how to react. Um, because I hadn't even felt anything until then because I was numb. But that, that story really had such a huge impact. And sure enough, the morning after I rang the BBC, they couldn't wait to get me on TV because it was a big story. Right. And I got slated with trolls on Twitter. Mm. <laughs> you know, people couldn't understand how they, they called me stupid and deluded and don't know what I'm talking about and it's rubbish. But I stayed true to myself as and stayed within my own humanity. And for me, that was really important. Um, and like I said, also, because of the job I had and this, this, thankfully, the ability to stand back and look in, I managed to use that skill as well and thought, OK, I need to understand why terrorism is even a thing which led me then to study it. But in the meantime, obviously, um, when you also asked the second part of your question, how do you confront politicians and talk to government? Well, uh, when Martin died, until that day, I was actually an introvert. I was working from my basement at home, seeing clients privately. And I was quite happy hiding there because I didn't like lots of people around. Um, and when Martin died, I completely changed and I don't fear crowds. I don't, I've even talked at the European Parliament. I, I don't care whether there are 500 people in front of me or 300 school children in front of me uh, or politicians. I, I really have lost the ability both to be um, scared and to be ashamed. So I have nothing to lose. That's awesome. That wow. is really, really awesome. That that was an incredible. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that that just uh, almost at a loss for words because it, it just sends a chill, you know, when you hear you to put yourself in that in that scenario. And I think uh, the trauma and, and and what you you've been through as as a human being gave you the strength to be able to do what you're doing now. And and uh, you know, we think it's absolutely incredible. And and um, you. you know, to the people that are trolling and, and uh, you know, saying negative things, they, they can't put themselves in the position that, that you've been in. And what you're doing is more courageous than any 
online troll or any critic or anything like that. I mean, you've been there, you've done that. I mean, you're a true, you know, truly it's, it's a, it's a warrior outlook on, on, on life. And, and uh, we think it's, it's phenomenal what you're doing and keep Thank doing you. it, Fegan, keep doing yes. it, oh, yeah. please. Well, like I said to a lady at the government this last week, um, I had a phone call of the home secretary and I said to her that uh, actually um, this is now my, my new job, my new day job. And I'm very passionate about my job. And that's awesome. And it shows too. It really does show like that, you know, I, I, I'm completely blown away. Like it's, it's completely incredible. Um, how, you know, growing up, I heard, you know, stories, you know, I, I grew up fairly religious within the Christian religion. And like, you know, you, you hear of, things about like don't let things make you better don't you know do this you know and all that but until you're really like faced with circumstance and a situation that calls for that you don't really understand what mm -hmm. that takes and I know with doing the work that we do now with beyond barriers and everything like I have started to have like a completely different understanding and uh, like you said a lot of people when it comes to terrorism and extremism that happens to other people it happens on the news it doesn't happen to us so mm -hmm. on and so forth until it does happen to you and then it's like what do you do now like um like, I know, like, I, I think it is absolutely phenomenal, the whole Martin's Law and trying to get that passed and everything. And I commend you and everybody that you're working with to try and do that, because I know it is not easy trying to make any changes, period. And I know you're probably getting a whole lot of backlash. And like you said, you know, you got trolls on there asking, you know, why in the world would you forgive this person? They took somebody from you. They did a horrendous thing. Um. But still, I mean, it, it's 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 absolutely phenomenal and amazing. Like, do you, like, you're over there in the UK, so I know you're f more familiar with the different resources over there, and you said that you do talk with schools, you talk with all sorts of people. Like, if there's anything, like, if somebody is either, you know, has been affected in the same ways of you, or, you know, might even be on the other end of it, might actually be on the extremism part of it, like... Do you have any suggestions, you know, whether going to your uh, Twitter, you know, maybe getting a code of you there, your website, and I'll definitely link your website uh, in the bio also, like, do you have any advice or suggestions for anybody that might want to know more information or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, my website contains a lot of information about all the work I do, but um in terms of if something like this ever happens to somebody, it's so easy to start hating and letting this destroy your life. And, um, you know, I very early on also, I mean, I, I was terribly grieving and, and you know, people, people said things to me like, oh, you're smiling all the time. You're not looking like a grieving mother. And uh, they don't know I cried myself to sleep most nights. You know? Exactly. But... Uh, I mean, part of why I am always strong on, you know, when I'm giving interviews or when I talk publicly is, first of all, I've had lots of therapy 
uh, otherwise I wouldn't have had the ability to do it. I would have just broken down. But secondly, also, there's a strong part of me that I don't want terrorists who watch me to see that they've, they think they've crushed me. Um, and, and to me, when you think about, when you step back and think, what do terrorists want to achieve? They want to cause chaos. They want to cause division, anger. Um, they want to absolutely wreak havoc and they want revenge for whatever purposes. And they use the general public because it's terrorism isn't aimed at you or me. It's aimed at governments, but they're using human beings yeah. as pawns in, the, in this game. And uh, any one of us could at some point become part of that game, unfortunately. But to me, if, if anybody ever is affected by a terrorist attack personally, be that through death or, or severe injury or even psychological damage, becoming bitter is, is just what they want. And, and please don't allow that and always, always remain within your own humanity. And, um, and think outside the box, think of the bigger picture and ask yourself, why did this happen? Why do people do that? Um, and, and educate yourself, inform yourself about it when you feel ready. Um, because for me, it was quite an eye opener to, to go and train in terror, in counterterrorism. I've learned so much um, in, in the time I've studied and um, I, I have a completely different concept of terrorism now. Um, and uh, yeah, don't, don't let bitterness take over. And, and I personally had to remember that I'm still a wife. I'm still a mother to four other children. I'm a grandmother to five grandchildren. I need to still function in those roles, right. you know, so um, giving up was never an option. Exactly. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think uh, what's really important too on, on what you're saying is it's really I just want to elaborate or, or add my thoughts to it is it's really easy to hate. And that's coming from people that had come, you know, we came out of the far right. It's very easy to, to, to do that. And I think back to, you know, uh, some of the similar situations to like what you had been in. And I, when I was younger, before I understand, before I understood some of the things I understand now, um, I always wondered how people could forgive how, you know, something like that, or, or even sometimes move on from it because it's so much easier to just hate or to be just, mm -hmm. just filled with hate. And you're right. That's what they want. And it's so much more courageous to take it from a, just exactly what you said. I just want to mm -hmm. echo it or, or re reiterate it, looking at it, the big picture, looking at it from the outside, looking in, how can we affect, you know, change? How can we make a mm -hmm. difference? And by being bitter and angry, it, it doesn't, it doesn't help it. And it drags you down too. It puts you down yeah. uh, to their level and it doesn't really solve anything. If anything, it's, it's sort of like some of these ongoing wars that you have where it's just, you know, uh, well, they did this to me. So now I'm going to do it back. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, I think it's way, way harder to be able and more courageous actually to be able to forgive and, and uh, uh, move forward and, and uh, put out positivity and good things that that uh you know so we can avoid these things uh, you know maybe we can never stop it completely these type of hor horrific acts no. but education and um, understanding and and as you said um finding the humanity and in, in, mm. uh, in all this is, is really the the solution i think as well 
I mean, when I go to schools, I always tell the children, I talk a lot on Twitter as well about tolerance, kindness, compassion, one humankind. And I, I, I really make the point to the children when I go to schools. And I say the only race really you need to worry about is one humankind. And if you turn the word humankind back to front, it makes it kind human. And, uh, and kindness is so important. So I always take a box with me, a, a gift box in the size of a shoe box. And I always tell the teachers before I arrive at school, give every child a pen and a small card or paper uh, because I want them to write something down. And before I leave, I always say to them, just write one act of kindness you promise to do, no matter how small and write that down and put it in the box. And then I have a whole box of kindness and give it to the teachers and say, there you are, you have a whole box of kindness. Do some pro productive work with these children, with this, what's in the box. And, um, and to me, um, I always say to the children, in, you know, don't fear difference. See it as an enrichment to your own life. Embrace it, you know. Wow. And 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 it's to it's about breaking down barriers and and not fearing because a lot of a lot of stuff comes from fear and and you know we need to stop fearing each other as people. Oh yeah. And work on that's really important and these are the things that I'm trying desperately to promote now. So on my business card, it actually calls I call myself peace promoter and activist. That's you know? awesome. I, I like the the kindness story, and then, and then when you were talking about beyond the barriers, right there, that's what that's mm -hmm. what we do <laughs> as well. So beyond barriers, yeah, that's yeah. really what the yeah. concept is. Exactly, you hit yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and I know one thing you mentioned too is like, I I think an important part is, is like to educate children. You have yeah. to start at the core level in Absolutely. order to avoid hopefully you know what it can lead to because it, if we don't learn these things when we're younger it's so much more difficult to try and learn it and incorporate it when we're already older and set in our ways and everything else so and I know that's one thing Jeff you know tries to hit on a lot like when we go and we talk with people it's like you have to start at the core level you have to start with the children and teaching them, like you said, that differences aren't to be feared, you know, and a lot of times, and I know Daryl Davis says it too, like, a lot of the hatred comes from ignorance and fear, and then mm -hmm. it just builds on top of each other. So I think that's incredible. Like you said, you know, the, the box of kindness, like, I think that is awesome. I love little things like that anyway, but it's, it's something that brings it to a more tangible place that you can physically be like here it's not just some concept i guess you could say so that's really awesome when i think too with the school system and we've been asked this before because we've met with educators and and we've done some work with that as well you know uh, um, policy makers and things like that and I want to have a more even concise program for that because a lot of times I, I know when we were in the uh, far right, when we would hear about programs for diversity and things like that, we'd say, oh, those are indoctrination courses and they're being forced and all, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you get outside that box and look from the outside looking in, 
Mm-hmm. We're not talking about indoctrinating anybody or forcing these ideas on anybody. It's like simply learning about these other other cultures and other, it, it takes away that fear concept. And, and you don't see it when you're involved in these things, when you're involved in extremism, mm-hmm. far right, Islamism, uh, you know, whatever. And I mean, extreme Islamism, but um, yeah. when you're involved in these things, you don't see it that way. You, you know, um, I, to this day, I don't like the word fear, but honestly, that's what it is. It's fear of not knowing. It's fe- it's not understanding. It's not having that yeah. concept. So if they could just just learn, it's not about indoctrination. It's about just understanding. And and it's like the differences we have as human beings are so minuscule that it, it's not worth killing somebody over it's not worth you know so what if this person worships allah and this person worships jesus or this person worships odin or 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 buddha or whoever you know like that what does that matter you know like we're all human beings we all live on this planet you know we should be concerned about um you know sustaining the planet and and Mm -hmm. uh you know for future generations that's something everybody should care about you know so yeah, absolutely. And and sadly, terrorism isn't just about religion, is it? It's it's about lots of other things. Unfortunately, sometimes it's hidden under the banner of religion, but it hasn't got anything to do with it. Exactly. And it's the same. But, you know, like you said, I think a lot of it is ignorance and fear of difference. And if only we could stop doing that as a society. But you're quite right. I, I think at an early age, that's when it has to change that mindset, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. If we, if we can catch it early enough, yeah. then yeah. it, it becomes a lot more minimal, I guess you could say mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's always an issue. Um, yeah. And it's been around for centuries. Unfortunately, Absolutely. now we're at an age yeah. where everybody across the globe is so much more connected. And I mm-hmm. think we're realizing these things more now than ever, because in the you know, the age of electronics that we live in, like, you know, hey, you know, we can talk to each other across the globe on Zoom. And, you know, it's like we're here in the same room. So I think, I think there is a lot of learning. Like, I, I think it's fascinating, if you could use that word, but that, you know, not only did you decide to try and turn this into a thing, something to help other people, which also helps you in your own process but you turned it in to help other people but not just those closest to you you turned it in so that way everybody and all of humanity can hopefully learn from it and you decided to learn why are these things happening what makes a person tick part of that I think is the whole psychology and uh, being a therapist and everything like that but also it's just you know what what makes these people do this because it's not just a split second that people go and decide that they want to kill themselves and a whole bunch of other people and i think you also hit the nail on the head many times this is an attack against governments but they do use the common people and they use people as a means to an end and as a pawn and you know to be able to understand that and to be able to hopefully set things in place to prevent that but also recognizing the humanity in others, whether or not they recognize it or not, is yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. From the terrorist perspective, too, like I don't quite 
understand is understand it why in under any circumstances if they feel you know they're at war with the government and maybe maybe you uh have in some insight on this but uh vegan but they feel like they're at war with the governments as, as was discussed why are they targeting civilians well, I think uh, certainly with the Manchester Arena attack, I think it's Daesh is obviously um, hiding under the banner of religion um, and, and you know, attacking other people who um, display a Western culture, which is sort of unacceptable in, in their mindset. And, and, you know, by killing themselves, they, they think they go to some amazing place uh, where they have wonderful things waiting for them. But actually, you know, that is just a belief, isn't it? It's it's um, it's a foolish belief. Um, it's a very destructive belief. But um, you know, if you're indoctrinated to that point, you believe it. It's a good point. Simple as that. You know, it's um, when you twist something that is um, has a totally different meaning, and you twist it to the point where. You persuade somebody that if you don't do that, you're not doing your religion, you must do that because this is your duty. Um, and to be a good religious person, you have to do that. And if somebody believes that, what can you do with that? You know, so it's it's really indoctrination is really powerful. Absolutely. We really want to thank you uh, for coming on the program. If there's anything that you'd like to say in summary or um and put out your website you know we're going to do that as well um but thank you so much for coming on the program it's it's been an incredible honor for us and and uh you have uh courage that that shines bright brighter than the vegas lights at night um really <laughs> appreciate you. what you're doing out there Fegan. thank you thank yes, you definitely. And i appreciate that you had me on the show thank you for coming it's on nice to meet you both you too thank you both.